All right, folks, welcome back to Build It, a non-league podcast. Joining me this week, as ever, is um, the Cal County United Chief Operating Officer, Custodian, Head Honcho, Main Disability User, John Hall. Hello, John. Hey, hey, I love every every time we do this, I have a different title, and I need to update my LinkedIn. So give me just a minute, I'll be back with you. Hi, Nick. If you could, if you could. Every, every time we do this, I think I'm going to have a professional introduction for you, and then I just get distracted by sport on the TV, and it all goes horribly wrong. Um, this week, we are deviating slightly. Um, it's not about how to run a soccer club. It's not about um, people setting up soccer clubs, although our guest has indeed set up a soccer club, AFC Columbia, out in Missouri. Our guest this week is Zach Fisher. Hello, Zach. Hey, guys. How's it going? Very good. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Zach is joining us in his official capacity as um, the best expert we could find in NIL, name, image, likeness. It is an issue that is um, developing as we talk, I suspect. It is an issue that I confess as a Brit, I have less and less knowledge of than most people, I suspect. But um, for clubs at our level who utilize an awful lot of college athletes, um, I suspect it is a hot it should be a hot topic and the more information we can have and the more information we can give to our players the better which is why john and i thought you'd be a great guest zach so thank you very much for joining us if you could please give us a very quick overview as to why we could position you as an expert so yeah uh, my background is college athletics i spent uh, several years as a director of marketing and ticketing for uh, several schools uh, i've got five schools now uh, four of my years are in the sec and then um, I have a master's in sport management from Tennessee. And my background is wholly uh, formed in all eight years being involved in college athletics. This has been a brewing topic that's been on the minds of college athletics. And then finally here in 2021, um, it really became something that was uh, something that we were heard was coming down the pipeline for a long time and then finally exploded on the scene in the summer. And have been part of it, not only on the athletic side, but now I work for a for a, for a corporation who handles NIL on the business side. So I've got to see it not only from the, uh, the college side, but also from a, from a corporate side too, and being able to implement some of these new deals as uh, more information comes available. Okay. For the uninitiated, what is it? Name, image, so name, image, and likeness um, is the ability for student-athletes to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. Um, they can now earn essentially advertising dollars or autographs, they can, they can profit off of the use of their name. What they, what the mis- a lot of people think that they can use their logos and their school logos. They can't. It's just their personal brand. They can make their own brand. They can promote themselves. They can go to an autograph signing and sign things. Like, things like that have been done very hush-hush or unofficially or you know, mostly illegally done in the past. You can now do in public. They can, a company can hire your best volleyball player and have them come to a signing at their ice cream shop or things like that. Um, that's essentially essentially the, the, the meat, you know, the mean bones of it. It just very, and also those rules very dependent on state. So, you know, in Illinois, you have different, you might have different state rules than Missouri and so on. So it's very, um, it depends on where you're at, but for the most part, um, you can profit off of, you know, autograph signings. Like I said, you can appear commercials and things like that. Where in the past, the student athletes would, they would immediately have lost their eligibility. Really this applies to sports like soccer and tennis and uh, some of the Olympic sports where student athletes previously might've been state amateurs, but now are, um, or they would have went professional and left college sports or, you know, maybe they would have left little league soccer because they would have, they would have been able to make money off themselves playing professionally somewhere else. They're now like Sunni Lee's at Auburn. Who's a, a gold medalist in the Olympics. Uh, she can, she's going to stay in school now because she can make money off her likeness and still go to school. Whereas previously she would have lost, lost her amateurism. So there's a, uh, there's a lot of new things that are happening with it. And it's, it's really changed the way some of the people look at college sports. For sure. It seems like it's a bit of a seismic shift again as an outsider um, from the from the good old days of how it used to be done. How do we get here? How what's what's the background to it? Yeah. So, I mean, really, this starts way back when. I mean, if you really want to go back into how the NCA is in its current situation, you go back to 1852, uh, which was the Harvard and Yale regatta. And a lot of people don't realize this, but the first actual college athletic event was a paid sponsorship promotion for a railroad up there in the Northeast. A guy had approached the uh, the Yale team and said, hey, we'll, we'll pay an all-expense paid trip to a bunch of college players and you guys come and row. And rowing at the time was the most popular sport in the country. And uh, they, that's where it started and really kind of 
it grew. There was some unofficial amateurism and you can get away with a lot when there's not a lot of social media to track you down. Um, the first, you know, paid coaches were in the, you know, late 1870s. Um, college football started in 1869. Um, you can even you look at the University of Michigan having players play for Michigan that didn't actually go to school there in the 1890s. Um, and then you started the forming of the NCA in 1906, which was done by Tony Roosevelt. Um, he came in and he really wanted to clean up the sport. He had a son that was playing uh, college football at the time. Uh, a lot of deaths in college football at the time. And that's really how the NCA came about. The NCA to this day does not actually control men's rowing, which is a bit of irony in that. But really what started happening was is that you have these elites uh, that wanted to preserve, you know, the gentleman's sport. They did not want to um, – they did not want to muddy the waters and be a commoner sport. And what happened was a lot of these land grant schools, a lot of these schools were starting to pay uh, players to come to play school. Then they would not be able to afford to go to school there. So they started to pay student, you know, students, essentially, um, you know, factory workers and stuff that were athletic to go to school there. And with the, you know, what happens is if you're Princeton and you start losing to say Michigan state, you, you start saying, well, you know, foul, this isn't right. This isn't a gentleman's sport. You can't pay, you know, scholarships to, this player here to to go to school here that's not gentlemanly and so really the misnomer about amateurism from the from the beginning of the ncaa has been kind of a joke i mean it's really been uh it's been there to serve a purpose and that's what the purpose was was to level the playing field and really wasn't really an issue until after world war ii and you have the gi bill and the rise of southern football well what happened was is you know, you have GI Bill, you're, you're going to school for free. Well, Southern schools, well, we'll give you an athletic scholarship and you can come here and we'll essentially pay you to come to come to school here. And so that led to the rise of Southern football. And that's, you know, essentially is continuing to this day. But what happened was with the media rights, I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, we're giving you an athletic scholarship. You're getting a little extra money to play. Well, you're starting to go with the media rights and, and the media rights really became a thing in the 1980s with Oklahoma, um, challenging the NCAA. The NCAA at that point in time said, hey, you can't play more than one national broadcast and two regional broadcasts uh, a year. And so there wasn't a lot of money in the media rights necessarily for college sports. Well, the Oklahoma said, foul, that's not right, challenged it and won. And what happened was is that the schools at that point really said, decide, we can decide our national schedule now. We can decide when we're going to be on TV. And that's where really the money starts coming in because in the 1990s, you start seeing schools on TV every week. You see Notre Dame on NBC every week. Um, you really start to get into that. And that's really when the media starts coming out. It's on television more. You start getting into video games coming out. And that's really where um, college sports started to deviate from its intended purpose, per se. And that's where you get into the O'Bannon issue, which is really the beginning of NIL and how you got to this point of a from an immediate standpoint. So O'Bannon was a player in the 1995 UCLA basketball team. He didn't had he did not realize that he was in a video game. The NCAA had a video game in CA basketball uh, that was very profitable for EA, EA Sports. And he's like, well, I didn't make any money off this. Why, why is the EA Sports making money off this? And he took it all the way to the Supreme Court and won. And what that meant was is that you would no longer be able to have an image or NIL, the name, image, likeness of a player in a game that you were profiting off of if the, the player couldn't profit off of it. Well, the NCAA says you can't profit off of it. So that pretty much eliminated all of your favorite video games. So NCAA, sport, NCAA football, NCAA basketball, because the player couldn't profit off of it. Well, you keep going down the list of, well, that was kind of like the first chip in the block. And the second chip of the block was, you know, the O'Bannon uh, or the O'Bannon. Then you got the Alston case. And the Alston's case says, well, why can't we earn scholarships like, say, the band or, you know, why can't we pay for our cost of attendance? And then that chip fell in 20, um, about 2021, I believe, is when it actually was decided. And that said, well, we can make cost of attendance um, maybe a little a few years before that cost of attendance, you can start getting paid for other activities that weren't uncovered in your uh, scholarship. So you have cost of attendance. And that was really the kind of the watershed moment. There was really no going back at that point. And then um, last year that came out and said, well, this California said, well, we're going to let we're going to start letting the players in our state make money off their name, image and likeness. To this day, there's not really been a congressional or, or national approach to it. It has been by state. And essentially, California was the first one. States like Missouri, you know, Florida, are like we're not going to let California essentially buy all the best athletes. We have to do stuff in our state. And that's really kind of the trickle effect came down to where you're at now. I know it's a very long-winded response, but you can kind of see over time as amateurism is kind of 
it's still technically amateurism, but the 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 chip the chips in the blocks have gotten chunkier and chunkier as it's gone to the point where now where you can have a student athlete at one of your schools go do a, an autograph signing and make money off of it. My head's already spinning, and we haven't even got to the nitty gritty. But I think that covers it. I hope it does because you're the guy that knows what he's talking about. So, um, so we're clear. This isn't a thing that affects just football players, right? This is a thing for any single, any, anybody, any student athlete out there. Um, and obviously, with, the, with this podcast in mind, we're talking specifically soccer people. But this is table tennis, ping pong, you name it, curling, whatever, right? Any sport can do it. You see that the majority of the contracts that have come out in the first couple of months have all, for most, not all of them, but majority of them have been through football and men's basketball. Because they're the high-profile ones, which are easiest to monetize, I suspect, I suspect right? Right. Right. But in theory, there's nothing from stopping um, Joe Bloggs centre half from advert from take, taking money off a local restaurant. Is, is uh, that my understanding? Uh, Not taking money—that's wrong. But I always forget her name. Sarah Fuller from Vanderbilt, I believe, is her name. Uh, right. Like she would be a great example. She's got a huge following on social media. Um, she's nationally known. Like she would be like an ideal candidate for, say, a soccer player in the United States because of her national appeal. So it's 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 in the business's interest to find someone with a high profile, regardless of the sport. And with this social media day and age, it's a lot easier to higher profile, right? Well, you get you got to be able to use the platform of the student athlete to be able to mm-hmm. push your product. So the bigger the following, the more, obviously the more the more financially yeah. viable it is to use that athlete. And there's also got to be a correlation between what you're selling. Like an investment fund is unlikely to get a big, a huge uptick because they're using someone with TikTok following. Right, and you get deal. Yeah. You still get some small deals. You can do it, but... two hundred dollars or whatever to have a shirt at a local T-shirt company, and there's there's small deals. But if you're talking like large chunk deals, like usually, yeah, usually you have to have you know twenty, thirty thousand followers minimum to usually mm-hmm. get bigger deals. Okay, all right, um, John. Anything at this point? Whilst we'll I get my head around it all? No, it's it, I'm I'm doing the same thing. I'm I'm trying to. I'm trying to play both sides of it as as the business owner and as the athlete, and then as a lower league club as an intermediary of how to, I guess, help broker the deal. How does that normally work then, Zach? In your experience, is that something where the players actually go out and sort of solicit partnerships for for this stuff, or is this, you know, a certain bar? or restaurant in a college town that would get a sponsored athlete and do it that way? Yeah. So, I mean, what it happens a lot of these times is, is that you know, most of the states, and I'll say all of them because this is where NIL is becoming a very gray area. Most states, like here in Missouri, the school is not allowed to be involved in any way, shape, or form with assisting in making these deals. It has to be solely uh, done by the student-athlete. And most of these student athletes have some kind of agent or they, you know, their parents are doing it or something like that. Um, you will approach them directly through, you know, your channels. You have to get their contact information. You can't get it through the school. Um, the school cannot be involved. You can't use the school logo. Um, there are a few states out there that are assisting. Whether or not that's legal or not is, is up to your definition of what is right and what is wrong. Um, and I'm not sure about that in Illinois. I don't think Illinois in Illinois, you can have the school assist with that, but usually just making contact on social media or however you want to reach out to them. And then what happen is you'll, you know, write a contract. The student athlete's responsibility is to uh, inform their school that they are part of XYZ deal. Usually that just involves so that they're not promoting, say you have, you're a Coke school and they're promoting a Pepsi product. Like there are some nuances that you have to avoid just because of of prior situations going on in your school. For the most part though, it's just a formality. And uh, then you'll, you, you will negotiate with that student athlete individually and whatever you think is best for, you know, especially like DeKalb, if it's, you know, promoting, you know, if it's promoting your club, maybe it's a top soccer player and you're promoting the club, you know, that can be a thing too. Okay. So you're, that's a good, that's a good spin. So, so in my particular case, um, I could look at it. So I, I'm looking at this conversation as, uh, DeKalb County United has a number of college athletes on our roster. How can I help them go make money by partnering with some of, maybe it's our sponsors, maybe it's other local businesses, and how can they, I'm looking at it as as sort of the broker to help set us apart. But, but what you just said made me think, well, as a business, 
like the Markanich boys that just left NIU and both signed MLS deals, even though they never played for us, um, we could have reached out to them because they are more widely nationally recognized players at NIU in our community. And we could have said, hey, come promote DeKalb County United for us. And we just don't talk about NIU soccer, right? They're just somebody yep. that people would recognize. So actually, I, that's, you got my, you got my, now you got my wheels turning again, which drives Nick crazy. Um, but so there's, there's actually different ways that you could, you could play it as a lower league club. And I, I want to get to that, I guess, in a minute. Um, what is like, what have you seen the athletes that have taken advantage of this? Obviously there's a big, the SEC football players and stuff. Those are different. Um, what are the, the things that the players or the athletes need to look out for? Uh, is it just keeping lines of communication open with their college or university to make sure they're not breaking any rules? Yeah. I mean, most of the time, most, especially the big, most of these are coming from the bigger schools. I mean, let's be honest with ourselves. They're coming from, you know, the power five schools they are coming from, uh, you know, you guys are up in Illinois, Northwestern, you know, uh, Illinois, you know, you're not really seeing a ton of this stuff happening at say, you but for example, for your example, um, it would have been, you could have sent them free jackets and sweatshirts and said, Hey, we'll, you know, give you a hundred dollars to do a social media post promoting DeKalb, uh, DeKalb County United, uh, post it on your social media twice a month, um, just to promote our club. And that's just drawing interest. And that's what you're, you know, you're spending a hundred dollars to get maybe a couple hundred dollars worth of free advertising or not free advertising, advertising. It's a way of promoting it. Um, a lot of the time that happens is a lot of these deals are happening under group. There's a group called Brandar, which is, um, which is, there's a couple different companies that have come in and they're doing group licenses. So they're getting, they're coming into the schools to say like NIU potentially. Um, we just did a deal at Cincinnati where they're coming in and uh, this says you could sign up as part of this group. And if so, we can use your name, image, likeness to do um, sell T-shirts with your number on the back. And, you know, there's there's several different ways you can do it um, in that situation. There are group licensing. You just um, you really the big issue with the student athletes is just making sure that they are informing their student athletes or they're in, their student athletes are informing their school about what is happening. Technically, you still have to promote it. And so that is, and they will get, they will probably lose their eligibility if they start taking money on the side and don't tell the school. But there's, it's a very gray area right now because no one has actually, I think, challenged that rule yet. And, and so it's, the, it's the same as, as, you know, Jennifer Lopez plugging an eye cream, but not saying this is an advertisement, this is a sponsored post, right? That's the, that's the murky area of, you either have to say, you say, you should be saying, Outwardly, this is an advert. Yeah, usually it's post, oh. you post it in the in the writing at the bottom, like this is. Yeah, 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 yeah. And we got to make sure that the student athlete is not showing their school's logo in the ad unless the school is giving you permission to do so. Which most of the time they'll mm -hmm. they'll want a roll royalty or they'll want to they'll want a piece or they'll just outright say no if, they, if you know in certain situations. So that's one of the big tricky areas is knowing what you can and can't say because you can't say I'm a you know, you soccer player or anything like you have to make sure that the, the verbiage that you use is appropriate for the schools, um, what the school wants. Yeah. And, and is it common that you, I mean, you said there's very few people that really know, cause this is all new. Is it common that a university or a college actually has somebody that that athlete can go talk to that can guide them appropriately? Or is, Big is everything just like, we don't know because oh, let's do it. It's okay with us. Let's try it. And everybody just goes with it. So all compliance offices will know, all the compliance offices in the university in the athletic department will know, will have an idea of what is allowed and what is not allowed. The bigger schools, like say in the SEC, will have a dedicated person. There's a, there's a situation like in Oklahoma, it's called the Foundry. Um, Texas, it's got, a, it's got its own special name where they have dedicated three or four staff members where they are helping make sure that all this is run the right way. When you get to schools uh, like in the Mac, essentially they might have one person who is, that's like half their job. They might not have a full person necessarily, but as this grows and as this gets better, I would expect schools like in the Mac to, you know, invest in this heavily and maybe have a full-time person on part of their staff, because it is a recruiting issue when you come that does your person, uh, when you're recruiting a soccer player for NIU, does your school have an NIL person that'll help my, you know, help guide my son through the NIL process? Like that's becoming a thing. So schools are now having to add that in their budgets for another position because historically it's not been a thing. I mean, this thing's only two years, you know, a little bit over 
you know, half a year old, technically. I mean, it started in June of, you know, July of 2021. Wow, there's a lot to... There's a lot to digest. It really makes your uh, brain run, and I'm sure I'm sure Zach with with your club, you're kind of obviously you're always scheming on <laughs> yeah. I mean, the best way to utilize this information. I think the best way I've seen so far is uh, one Knoxville out of my um, alma mater, Tennessee's background. They're using their um, they're gonna you're using the women's soccer players at the University of Tennessee. They said, hey, to help design apparel, and we'll give you a percentage of the apparel, and you guys market it. Um, that's a, a good way. This club is getting uh, generated revenue through merchandise and uh, they're not having to design it all. They're not having to manage it or run it or anything like that. Um, it's already a popular club in town and they're, they're getting a pro they're getting a proceeds of helping market. I think it's a, it's a good way of, of not only a, accomplishing a club goal that you want to get more merchandise sales, but also um, help, have, helping the local student athlete by giving them a, an opportunity to make money. And it's commission based, I think is what they're doing. And, Every everyone wins. It's a win win for them, and it's good. It's good PR. So, is is the the biggest activity here? Um, your posts obviously are, are probably pretty easy. Um, you know, appearances, uh, autograph signings. To you know, maybe in an SEC football school, that's important. But I don't think somebody's lining up to uh, get a baseball player's autograph or a tennis player's autograph or a soccer player's autograph. Quite honestly. Um, is that the most common stuff is just promotional? Hey, let me, let me, I'm, I'm promoting this uh, special dinner we're doing and I want to put your name on it as a, you know, promotionary thing, or is there anything else besides, uh, you know, events and um, social media posts? Is that the two main things probably? Those are the main things. Social media, it's easy because a lot of a lot of companies can trade you. We'll trade you, you know, gear or we'll trade you, you know, you know, it's like the Instagram influencer type things where you can, you know, we're utilizing your the student athletes, you know, following to promote their coolers or whatever. That's that's most of it. Um, you get you do get the signings signings like for the big players, but for something that's like at a smaller level. For the most part, they're just they're looking to reach a different audience than maybe necessarily that they couldn't in the past. Like not a lot of people watch straight line TV anymore. They don't really listen to the radio. So they're trying to reach you're trying to reach an, a younger demographic. Well, you're going to try to find people that are in that demographic and then will potentially follow that account. And especially around college towns, you know, you're looking to try to get with them. Well, a lot of them follow each other. So if you're paying a, you know, an NIU student to promote your club, you're more likely to get in front of them, say, than say, you know, having a radio advertisement or things like that. So there's a lot of, you know, give and trade, but a lot of it is, you know, social media based because of the low cost of, you know, the low cost barrier to get in. It doesn't cost a lot to do it. And a student athlete can do it as many times as you guys agree on. Yeah, that's true. It, ma- it makes a lot of sense. Thinking. Yeah, it's terrible. I'm terrible at <laughs> podcasting because I, I just, I drift off into brainstorming session over here on my other computer and i'm like yeah i wonder if we should do this and this and this and 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 it just yeah that's why i love doing this stuff because it opens up your eyes to these other these other opportunities it is true isn't it i mean this is a this is a tangent but like under the guise of having a podcast we get to talk to all sorts of people there's no way we could have just rung up zach and said hey can we talk about it? can we pick your brain about nil for half an hour i'll take, well, I'll, know, take let- I'll take I, I'm going to interrupt you there. Zach picks my brain all the time. Well, no, that's fair. But, and we but we could we. But yeah, <laughs> I true. get your point. Yeah, like last week, Dennis Crowley. We're not ringing up Dennis. Says, "Hey, can we just talk lower league soccer for half an hour for no reason whatsoever?" But now, oh no, we're recording it. Therefore, it's much more legit. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, just to give John a, a chance to to regroup. What, if any, are the potential pitfalls? Obviously, we spoke about, like, you know, um, falling foul of advertising the school or whatever. But um, from a, from the athlete's perspective or from the, you know, the sp- inverted commas, the sponsor's perspective, what could the pitfalls be? Put uh, it maybe the most uh, collectively is rogue. You don't want the student athlete to, you know, get in trouble or, you know, get arrested. You know, it's just basically like you have, like, an NBA player, like, you're, you're, you don't want them to be able to be, have a, keep a good image. And a lot of students um, are struggling with making sure that they are keeping their you know, social media profiles clean and they're keeping a good, clean image. And 
Um, and especially if you're advertising, you want to make sure that they're saying exactly what you want them to say and they're doing it the right way and you didn't waste you know, time doing it. And also as you're dealing with the college students who are notoriously, um, notoriously you know, slow to respond in certain aspects sometimes. Sometimes you get a great student athlete. Like swimmers, swimmers are notoriously great at getting everything done ahead of time, mind the PQs. So I mean, you're dealing with younger, younger. You're not dealing with professionals who, you know, you know, will do things a certain way. And they're great. Student athletes are usually on time and do the right things. But, you know, you're dealing with that kind of stuff, and sometimes it's not worth the headache of de- of, of dealing with it. But uh, if you can find the right athlete who's willing to promote it and embrace your brand and is willing to, you know, you know, do everything exactly how you want it to be done and, and is open to it, then you you hit a gold mine. But you know, you you have to follow that you have to find what's right for you and what you're promoting and being able to, you know, expect not everything to go right the first time and be able to adjust as you go. Mm-hmm. Just occur to me, uh, there wasn't, there was an actual thought, but you know, that, that um, docu-series on Netflix, last chance you, that was about football and then became about baseball and the last uh, basketball in the last series. I don't know if you caught it, but do you know, if you don't know, it's a kind of a moot point, but I mean, there's been a couple versions of it. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, 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 off, exactly. Off, yeah, started off as a, um, a JUCO uh, East Mississippi College down there. Yes, a lot with of the shouty man. Yeah, but a lot of those guys, if you know, some of those guys are you know NFL players now. Legit. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't think it falls in your warehouse, but I'm just curious. What's the ramifications of them wearing branded gear at any point, um, given you know the NCA's stringent rules? So, I mean, when you get into documentaries, I mean, one, JUCO is not an NCAA sport, so, or NCAA. Oh, is it not? Okay, right. So, you have the NCAA, then you have NEIA, which we have a lot around here, other than, obviously, Mizzou, which is a big one. And then you have, like, JUCOs, which are on their own thing. And, and NEIA has different rules in, in the, during the NCAA, like, um, different age requirements and things like that. So, when you get down to those levels, the rules are a little bit different. And I think that you're looking at it as a documentary um that i don't think necessarily the school necessarily profited up on it other than being in the documentary the school probably made some you know extra money on this you know through their merchandise and stuff but i don't think the school necessarily profited off of it so i don't think there was really an issue there the really the benefit for the athlete there was hey i'm in this documentary come recruit me to come to college like, oh, sure. that, yeah, yeah that's that's a huge win for them yeah oh yeah, no, I, I just yeah Sorry, I just um, I'm curious. Obviously, uh, in this document world, we we document everything, Zach. Um, how complicated? I mean, we're dealing with a 19 year old college student trying to make a, an agreement that they're going to tweet three times a month for me. Uh, how complicated does documentation need to be? Uh, you know, like no nobody wants to go hire a lawyer for a hundred dollar nil deal. Like, are is, can this be done as as cleanly as as I think it could be done, or are there some potential omissions in not getting things documented well, and maybe getting somebody at the university or college to sign off to make sure that everybody's on the same page? Uh, what what's sort of an agreement look like? So you have no obligation to tell the school. The student athlete has the obligation to tell the school. So I'm I will preface everything by saying I'm not a, I'm not a lawyer, so I don't know. What, I don't want to give you law, big, bad law advice or anything like that. But as a lawyer, could you give us your advice? <laughs> no, no. But I, my, my thing is like I would always make sure you have your trade in writing, just so that the student, the student athlete complains or anything like that, or that you, they didn't live up to their expectations or whatever. That you have it in writing. What you see is a lot of trade deals, especially in the lower area, where we're going to give you X gear for X thing, and it's it's pretty low key. Um, so my, my thing is I always like to have everything in writing when it comes to these things, uh, for my, my company right now, we have full contracts, like full set contracts with exact verbiage and exact way we're going to do stuff and exact timing. The more detailed you are in your proposal is more likely that the student athlete is going to honor it exactly how you say they are. Cause if it's just, Hey, I'm talking to you on the phone, there's a lot of leeway on how you interpret that. So from my experience and and have doing a couple of these deals, especially a couple of these high profile ones is that we have our contracts down to the T. Now, if that's worth the time for say three social media posts, that's up to you, but it could be as simple as a one sheeter saying, Hey, we commit to this. This is what we're going to do. And then I would put on there on the caveat on anything that you give to the student athlete, we're not responsible to promote or to, uh, to, you are going to take care of everything on your end on, 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 talking to the school about what you're allowed and not allowed to do. We are not responsible if you get in trouble because it's your responsibility to talk to your school about your situation. Yeah. That's a good, uh, 
it's a good disclaimer to have that. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, I'm just uh, I, I kind of want to try one. I want to go through this process just so I can learn. You're not eligible, John. <laughs> well, I'm pretty. I've got almost 800 followers. I don't know. I'm pretty. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the thing would have been like with the NIU guys going to MLS, like throwing them in a DeKalb shirt and saying, "Hey, we'll give you 200 bucks to promote it." And is that is that worth mm-hmm. X amount of followers for the club? Is it is it worth it? Would have been would have been great. Maybe it could have been, maybe it could not. It's, you know, it's, this is all a learning process. We're learning, you know, yeah. or doing hit or miss things at first. And, you know, sometimes you can get a, a big thing. It's, it's just like sending the men in blazers, your Jersey and hoping that they, you know, show it on their show. Like it's, it's one of those kind of things. Yeah. Yeah. And, the, at, at our level, it's, it's definitely yeah. a trial and everything we try at our level is trial and error because you want to make sure every hundred you spend gets you, potential of a hundred plus back and not everything is going to, but, but if it's you have, a new tool in the toolbox. Yeah. But I think it's not like, you know, I, I keep hearing over and over, we've got a lot of extra gear in our, in our, in our office. Well, I'll, I'll give a student athlete a, an extra Jersey or something, you know, say, Hey, promote our club, get, you know, we'll give you, I'll give you this Jersey for three social media posts with, with you taking a picture wearing it. Like it, it can be simple stuff like that of like we have an extra amount of stuff or if we have a great deal with um you know you can even make it part of your sponsorship posts like hey you know we were this company right here is looking for a, a college spokesman or a college ambassador and that's part of your you know you're helping that student athlete make some extra money on the side or get some extra food and there's a lot of different trade deals i think trade is the biggest area of opportunity for lower league soccer because you can you can leverage some of your sponsors um, and some of their needs and by promoting their club, promoting their organization and you're winning because you know, that, that student athletes profile is getting bigger, which is ultimately helping you. So I think that's the biggest area for lower league soccer is a lot of trade deals and a lot of commission deals. I think there's a lot of things if you're worried about ROI is, Hey, uh, we're going to give you this code and we can track that code by all the purchases made on our website. They use that code. We can track on how much revenue you brought in. We'll give you X percent of that or whatever. But you can, my recommendation is use Bitly, use tracking codes, because um, you want to be able to track where this, you know, where your extra ticket revenue or your extra merchandise revenue is coming from, because you want to be able to go back to the student athlete and they're like, well, I want to redo this deal. And you're like, you brought in $0 or this student athlete that you didn't think was going to be big brought in $2,000 in merchandise revenue. And you're like, we're going to up your deal. We have an incentive for that person to do more. That's a lot of things. College students, they'll, you know, they'll commit to something and then they're like, oh, you know, I'm not really getting anything out of this. Well, if I give you a $500 check and next year I say you did really well, I'll give you a 750 if you do more, like you can commission things. And that, I think there's a lot of that perks ears a little bit more when you, when you start doing it that way. Oh boy. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. sorry no, no good. Um, without betraying any confidences, is that confidences, Zach? Um, have you got plans afoot for utilizing your you know niche knowledge? With your soccer club in the fourth in the fourth table, or are you? Are we saying right now that our clubs are kind of too small? I mean, we're still small, but I I really like the I like I brought the one Knoxville um, uh, idea up is because we're looking to redo our club shop, and I think it's an avenue as we um, dip our toes into women's soccer is something that we wanted to be able to is you know uh, growing the women's game, and it's a opportunity to get them involved early, so. I really like the merchandise area because they can design it, they can wear it, they can promote it, and it's free advertising for the club. It's a win-win for me. I'm getting something that what I need done is you know club shop completed, and you know I'm getting some exposure in in the local market. And a lot of these girls are going to go to different schools, so we're going to promote to different schools. And ultimately, when when they're wearing our stuff, hopefully that they uh, they'll get some of their you know some of their athletes and some of their friends will want to try out for the club, and it's a win-win. So I think that was one of the biggest things is. Uh, was doing that. We might do some things with some with some restaurant partners and stuff like that, but that's more uh, that's more TBD. A lot of those things you just have to make sure that you know there's not. I don't have a, a limited time to put into the soccer club that I want, so I want to make sure that everything I'm doing is worth the time and effort to do it, and making sure that the yeah. student athlete is getting a quality experience when they play for us. Just just on that restaurant thing, um, a lot of the kids at college won't come from big metropolitan cities, right? They come from small town nowhereville um and the, the, for argument's sake their dad mum parents grandparents aunties uncles and whatever, um run a restaurant back in the day i would assume that 
they're the, they're the big name from from town and they've gone off to school and whatever and now they're coming back and we're going to eat at you know um the restaurant of Nicky's uncle and he can he might have his photo on the wall or something but now is he entitled is Nicky now entitled to basically say eat at my uncle's restaurant and get a kickback for that is that yeah i think a great example that would be yeah. like an athlete like you just said like i'm coming back to my I'm the I'm the class here. I'm the student or the the hero that came out of my school. I'm coming back. I'm yeah. on TikTok or Instagram Live, and I'm saying, "Hey, I'm at so and so. Come come hang out with me at XYZ's restaurant." Um, oh, by the way, if you use and then the best way of tracking is, hey, use my name at the checkout and get a get get ten percent off yeah. while I'm here next two hours only, or you know stuff like that. You always want to have that that call to action there. So then, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. you can get paid for that. I mean, if his, if his family wants to get his uncle wants to, yeah. right? If his dad says that's part of your job as being a, as a kid is to help help the family grow, then you know that's on them. But um, yeah. something that they can do um, when it you get a little bit gray area when it's family on having to report some of that stuff because some of that stuff like it's your family. But also, mm-hmm. you my suggestion that every student athlete is run everything by your school just to be sure. But sometimes you get a little gray areas with the family there. Of course you do. Of course you do. I got I got a, a a slight variation of a question. So, uh, in your example with the Knoxville women's team, and basically you're making a, a program wide arrangement with them, right? Or or this other club. What well, um, is it possible to do that? Like, could could you go say, hey, I'm going to go talk to NIU men's soccer and say, hey, we want to do a, an agreement with your whole your whole 26 person roster. Here's a promo code, and we're gonna instead of giving it name, image, and likeness back to each of you, and each of you get a percentage, we're gonna make a donation back to your program. So then, you as a program, you the head coach can then take your thirty-seven hundred dollars you guys raised for us and spend it however you want. Is that is that does it even fall under name, image, and likeness, or is that just a partnership deal? And can colleges and universities even do those kinds of things? You cannot because you cannot go through the actual university to arrange the deal. Um, what is happening is like, uh, like I said, that brand R corporation, what they're doing is they are an outside organization that is signing up all the athletes on that team to a group deal. And then that's how you would deal. You would deal with the that outside organization. You would not be able to like go to the coaching staff because that would be against the, against the state wall to be able to do that. They'd be, um, there's a lot of workarounds to what you're proposing. Um, like I said, going to Brandar or just approaching the student athletes themselves outside of, of the organization, but you couldn't use the school could not make a profit off of that situation. Does that make okay. sense? Yeah, no. And, and I just think like, you know, when they, I mean, every, every sports program that goes out into the community and goes, Hey, we're running an ID camp and we could, we'd like a sponsor for it. And it kind of becomes a way that we could go, hey, we want to help sponsor your camp. And then it's like help promote and it, it becomes um, uh, a little bit beneficial on both sides. But make no, it makes sense to have the school faculty involved. Obviously, that's where the red line is. So yeah. you got you to go direct to everybody. What What is happening is, in and this is the next development, is, is the NCA is having an issue with, certain states and i'm not sure which ones they are off the top of my head um is is not necessarily brokering the deals but they're assisting with the brokering of the deals um quietly and that is becoming an issue is all right when it where's the line what is the line you know that kind of stuff so that is still forming like i said we're only a couple months in we're only what, eight months into this nine months into this so um that area is still coming up but my i would always hesitate on the on the caution on those things and not uh, risking the student athletes uh, eligibility that's good advice as an attorney thank you <laughs> i'm not not an attorney but uh just oh, you're not kids oh, are, oh, uh, you are you are attorney um <laughs> which is yeah troubling in its own level um <laughs> what do college athletes not the top level not the top end but you know your regular run-of-the-mill sports college athlete sport obviously the sports college athletes tend to have agents or not no, typically they just do it themselves or they'll do right. it. Okay. I mean, there's no need for an agent to get involved with um, like a local t-shirt companies making you a shirt and you're selling it around town. Like there's not really a no. that, but if you say you have to star quarterback, maybe because there's potential for that guy to, you know, maybe go to a pro day or something like that. Yeah. Um, you don't really see it even in the mid-level basketball. You don't really see it that much either. 
Um, it's, it's really limited. Um, and a lot of these group deals are, are becoming popular because the student athlete is now getting contacted by the outside organization about opportunities instead of them having to reach out, the company is reaching out for them. So you don't really see agents too much. It's usually either a group deal or just, they're just doing themselves with their mom or dad. Or mm-hmm. yeah. Interesting. Are there tax implications on either side? Uh, that is that is a question for the IRS because that is All right. <laughs> I I do not know that off the top of my head. I think there's a lot of trade going on. I don't know how people uh, have done that in the past. All right, well handled. So as a as a lawyer, that was a very good answer. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. So okay, um, go ahead, Nick. No, no, I was I was, ra- I was wrapping up, John. So if you've got more questions, go crazy. No, no, but I mean we've kind of touched on it a little bit, right? But but bottom line, uh, lower league soccer club, DeKalb County United, AFC Columbia. How do you best use this? Do you use this as um, as the business and say, hey, I want you to help me promote my club and I'm, I'm the organization? Or do you say, hey, we're going to put together some sort of a package, a little like a one pager, that we're going to send out to our sponsors and say, "Hey, our our athletes are eligible for NIL sponsorship." And maybe it's not your current club sponsors. Maybe it's the ones that can't afford to do anything and want to look at this as an opportunity. Do you look at it as as a lower league club would benefit from being the broker or from being the whatever the sponsor organization? I mean, or or is it a little of both? Yeah, I think there's a few different ways you can look at this is is an add-on to sponsors as being a broker of, hey, you know, we're willing to help you connect with your target audience. Um, I think there's an opportunity for you as a club maybe to, to uh, compensate the player for, you know, gen- generating revenue if, you know, if they're promoting your club on social media. Like a lot of clubs are like they don't, they don't, their players don't promote them on social media is what we're finding. Our thing is how do we incentivize them to do that? Well, if I give you a code to this club's website, now all the revenue that you're generated, I'll give you 20% of it. Like there's incentive for them now to do that. Now in the past, you probably couldn't have done that. But now since that's, uh, that's okay, um, you can, they, can make, they can make money essentially off of playing a sport, which is basically what they're doing. Um, you can do that. And there's, I think there's also uh, an opportunity there for a trade. I've got a few players that I would love to get a scholarship to play to pay for their player fee. All right, if I have a just throwing numbers out there, if I had a two hundred dollar player fee, well, uh, instead of me getting the money from you know this restaurant, I'm saying, hey, you're going to do X Y Z social. I'm going to connect you with this restaurant. They're going to do, you know, X Y Z. They want you to do this, and they're going to play. They're going to pay your scholarship, and that's the trade. And that way, he gets to play soccer. The the restaurant's happy that they're getting some promotion. Essentially, that's going to for a good cause, and you know, they're happy with it. There's, there's, there's several different ways you can really monetize it. The biggest thing is tracking the return on, on return on investment and making sure that, that, that what you're doing is bringing something in. Um, I, I think that being the middleman is going to have benefits long-term. It's a matter of, can you, I don't want to tell an athlete, Oh, if you join our team, Oh, by the way, you're going to do four posts for XYZ company. I don't want to get in that where I'm building those into my player list but I also want to give the my sponsors an opportunity to, but hey, we have 20 players. Would you like to talk to any of them about promoting your brand? And you know, being that middleman, we'll we won't take any percentage. What we're essentially we're doing is we're helping cut that cost down from the student athlete. That's kind of where we're at. You got to be careful is that you don't want to be seen as a person, you know, money grabbing off of these guys because that's what they're they've been fighting for a long time about getting off of. You don't really want to be able to. You got to walk that fine line of making sure that you're getting something out of it, but also, you know, make, you know, making sure the player's happy. Well, and I think that's how I look at it is not, not from a, a making money. It's a, it's a, I'm in a metropolis here where there's not as many clubs as we'd like, but these players have options and they're choosing to come play for us. And this becomes one more thing that we do that sets us apart. We provide the opportunity to connect you with something yeah, I, you know, I, that, that you could burn from. Yeah, I could see I could see clubs, especially in the bigger cities, having a dedicated, you know, we have a volunteer on staff that when you set up all these sponsorship deals, you make you ask in the sponsorship deal, hey, would you would you be open to having our athletes 
promoting your product? If so, what are some of the things that you'd be willing to do? And then making that database and saying, hey, when you come here, we have five companies looking for people to promote their business. Um, you can make up to X amount of dollars doing this, or you can make this, this, and this doing this. I think it's something that you can use as a tool to recruit. It's a matter of, is do you have enough staff and you have enough capability of making sure that all those stuff are done, make sure that the companies are going to honor all their deals and all that stuff. So I think that's something that as we grow, is something that's going to happen more and more, especially if you are competing with other clubs for talent. Yeah, I think that's that's where I get stuck then. Everything you just said makes a lot of sense. It just becomes more admin. And at this level, a lot of clubs struggle to do the very basic admin. So maybe it's not uh, it's not the right thing for a first-year club, second-year club. But when you have a large staff and people willing and able, and um, it sounds like it's a worthwhile thing to at least do your homework on and, and have as an opportunity um, to set yourself apart. I think it's like you said, a recruiting tool. I think that's where it really comes into play. I think it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Um, Zach, is there anything else we should know as, as beginners of this that we haven't asked about? Follow the news. It changes all the time with NIL. Um, uh, just be, just be mindful of the, that these things are still going on. There's still a lot of lawsuits out there depending on this. Um, we're, we're expecting the Congress to have some kind of say in this before it's all said and done on a national level law. You're expecting the NCA in the next year or so to come out and say, this is the official policy because right now at very state by state, it's very haphazard. It's very all over the place. Schools are either using it or not using it or abusing it or not abusing it. It's just all over the place. Be mindful of it. Make sure you're, you know, you're doing your, your, your part of making sure that the student athlete or at least inform the student athlete, it's their responsibility to go to their school and say, you know, I'm doing X, Y, Z is, you know, just cover, cover yourself. Um, it's still flowing. You don't want to be the guy that gets someone, you know, made ineligible. So I'm always, that's my, my candid advice to anybody that does it. As a lawyer. <laughs> As a lawyer. That's wonderful. Well done. Not a lawyer. Not a lawyer. All right, Zach, if anyone's listening to this and has got questions, are they okay to reach out to you? I mean, obviously, they're all right to reach out to us, but me and John will just lie. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm on and, Twitter mostly. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, obviously, check out the club, and if you have any questions, let me know. Okay, cool. Are there any online resources for people to learn more about this other than just reading around? Is there a, you know, a, a go-to place or knowledge portal? Not really right now. There's so much fluidity that and there's a lot mm-hmm. of – resources out there that you can, you know, Google history of NIL and, you know, you know, get the base. Yeah. But, but I would very much suggest you to go to your state law and figure out what your state says, because it's going to vary. Someone that's posting stuff in California may not be exactly applicable to what your state is because the For law, sure. but I think every state at this point does have some sort of law saying your students can do this or that. So just look that up. All right, cool. Um, five minutes on Columbia AFC. Congratulations on getting off the ground. I believe this wasn't your first season. This isn't going to be your first season, but it's the first season of doing it at the grown-up level. Fair? Yes. First first regional league level. We had a last year that went pretty well, and we've learned some lessons, and now uh, we just had a tryout on Saturday. and uh, Very excited about the turnout and the quality there, and hopefully to be competitive right away. Fantastic. Um, Very quick overview. How many people have you got involved running the, the, the club? I don't want to call it a team. I say I, I say eight. Uh, there's a few that are that are there for certain projects and not, and you know, kind of come mm-hmm. in. But about eight on a daily day, on a day basis. Excellent. That's yeah. That's and I'd say that's the bare minimum, wouldn't you, John? Obviously, you can do it with one, but you're uh, going to say. Uh, but... Well, well, I, as I I've gotten to know Zach over the last couple of years, and I think they uh, hats off to them. They've been I think slow and methodical in building everything they're doing, and and I know. Mm-hmm. Um. I know I'm not the only one in Zach's Rolodex. I'm sure he's picking the brain of everybody that's come before him, which is what I did and what I think everybody should do. And he didn't he didn't throw a team out. He uh, he's trying to build a club and his whole you know all of them. So I think um, I'm extremely optimistic of of their future success because I don't think they're going to put the cart before the horse. I think they're being um, very diligent, and I think having a staff of eight ahead of your, you know, first regional set. I mean, it's truthfully, it's more than we had when we started. So I, mm-hmm. I think it's, I think it's great. It's a, it shows that there is a level of maturity happening in uh, in this level because, as you know, Zach, it isn't cheap. It isn't easy. It isn't. Uh, 
it isn't something you just roll a ball out with 11 guys. If you want to do it, hopefully for the long term, as we'll all find out someday, but it's much more than that. And I think you're doing a great job. Certainly. Indeed. All we need, all we need now is more people down your neck of the woods, right, Zach? Yeah, we, I mean, we're hoping to be the, you know, there's three clubs in our area right now and we're hoping, you know, based on the feedback we've gotten so far that there's a lot more interest in sustainable soccer. I think the pandemic has woken up a lot of people onto spending their money wisely. And like you said, it's not cheap to do this. It's, it's not something you roll the ball out there and do it the right way. And hopefully Columbia supports us. We've got a lot of good feedback and uh, the players are excited to represent Columbia. And hopefully, uh, like I said, we have two of the top, or three of the top four NAIA schools in the country are right here in, in Missouri. So if we can keep those guys here and, and play well, we, we think we have a chance to be competitive. He's, th- he's throwing down the goal the right way. Big <laughs> talk from a lawyer. All right, Zach. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time, Zach. Um, we really do appreciate it. I hope this has been informed. I know it's been informative for John. I yeah. honestly have no idea what we've just spoken about in the last hour, but I nodded in the right <laughs> places, I think. Um, if it has been of interest to anybody else out there, please do reach out. Um, this sounds like it's an ever-developing story, he said, with his best 24-7 rolling news head on. But um, it's, yeah, it's watch this space and see what develops. But your, but players can now basically um, take, should be taken advantage of it where possible. And we as clubs need to be helping them to do that, is the long and short thing. So, Zach, thank you very much for your time. John, thank you, as always. I hope your Achilles gets slightly better by this time next week. Um, and thank you all for listening. Now the time has come for leaving. Now we shall return We were so glad we could make it But so sad we gotta run Well it might be a long time Till we raise another glass You can rest assured that next time We'll have ourselves a laugh Yeah we'll have ourselves a laugh Away.